Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Hello again. Welcome back. I hope that you're well. I feel like I'm getting my feet under me again, so that's good. And even if you're not doing that great today, I'm glad that you're here, and hopefully pseudo-Apollodorus and I can provide a needed bit of respite for you. Yes, we have the next chapter of the Bibliotheca today. We're up to chapter 8 of book 1. I'm using the Fraser translation, which is most likely what you'll find online. Um, obviously, you can go to a bookstore and, and buy a copy as well, but... Um, very easy to find a reasonable translation for free online. <laughs> Chapter 8 picks up right where we left off, so in this case it's much more of an arbitrary break than we've seen in previous episodes, but it does help break the text up into manageable chunks, so that's how we're tackling it. At the end of Chapter 7, we were still talking about the children of Porthaon, one of the descendants of Prometheus, and we pick up with one of his children, Oinaeus. Are you an Oinophil? I, I don't know if I technically fit the description, but I do like wine. Onius is where the word comes from. Onophil, Onius. Um, and that's because Dionysus gave him the first grapevine. Onius marries Althea, whose dad is Thestius. Their son is Toxius, but Toxius leaps over a ditch, so Thestius kills him. At least, if I'm understanding all of the pronouns correctly. If you're familiar with the story of the founding of Rome and Romulus killing Remus for leaping over the demarcation of Rome's boundaries, it's kind of like that. It's not just any old ditch, but the author doesn't mention why it was important that Toxius not cross it, so there we have it. <laughs> but those aren't their only children. They also have two more sons, Thyreus and Clymenus, and two daughters, Gorge and Deonyra. Andremon marries Gorge and Deonyra... Well, that name may sound familiar from some of our other sources. She is pretty awesome. Drives her own chariot, martial artist, wife of a certain Heracles, but that's a story for another day. Althea has another son named Meliagar. His dad may be Onius, or it may be Ares, depending on who you ask. When Meliagar was a week old, the fates came and told Althea that Meliagar would die when the log on the fire was completely consumed. Althea immediately pulled the log out of the fire and put it in a chest to keep it safe. And so Meliagar grew big and strong and more invulnerable than Achilles with his Meshuggah heel. But just like Achilles, his invulnerability only lasted so long. During the harvest celebration, Aeneas forgot to sacrifice to Artemis. He remembered all the other gods, but he forgot her. And you may recall that Artemis does not take slights of that sort well. So she sends a boar to ravage the land. It attacks people trying to plow the fields. It attacks the cattle in their pastures. Quite the nuisance. So Aeneas calls a bunch of heroes to kill the beast. Kill the beast. Kill the beast. Sorry, I can't help. I was in Beauty and the Beast. It's... it's it's a really fun number to be in, frankly. Very intense. Anyway, back to, <laughs> back to the Bibliotheca. It's a whole lot of men who come to kill the beast, including some familiar names like Castor and Pollux, Jason, Telamon, and one woman, too, Atalanta, and Meliagar, too, naturally, since this is the story of how he dies. 
Uh, the heroes feast for nine days, and on the tenth, when they're good and drunk, they go hunting. Now, Meliegar decides that he doesn't so much want to hunt the boar as he wants to hunt Atalanta, even though he's married to Cleopatra. No, not that Cleopatra. This is long before that Cleopatra was born. Anyway, the heroes manage to surround the boar, and Atalanta is the first to land a shot because Atalanta is awesome. It takes all the heroes, though, to finally kill the beast. And, of course, Thestius's sons can't possibly let a woman get the credit, so they refuse to let her keep the skin and give it to Meliagar instead. To prove his love, Meliagar kills his uncles and gives the skin to Atalanta. What a charmer. Althea's surviving brothers, though, are pissed about the murders, so they take the log out of the box and set it on fire, and thus Meliagar dies. Maybe. There is another story. The other story says that a war broke out over the skin. Meliagar still kills some of his uncles, at which point Althea curses him. Meliagar responds by staying home in a funk until Cleopatra tells him to do the honorable thing and go and fight. So he does. He kills the rest of his uncles and then is killed himself, and then Althea and Cleopatra hang themselves before being turned into birds. Whichever story is the right one, Althea definitely dies and Aeneas remarries. Wife number two is Paraboya, and her dad is Hipponus. There are a couple of different stories about her. Uh, the Thebiad tells one version, Hesiod tells another, but they both involve her having some sort of affair outside of wedlock that leads to her being married off to Onias. Well, with the caveat that she be executed. <laughs> but she gets pregnant, and Hipponus decides that she shouldn't be executed after all. Paraboyan, Onias's son, is Tydeus. Unless... Gorge was his mother, um, which is what Pisander says, because Zeus said that Onias would fall in love with his own daughter. Ugh. Anyway, Tydeus grows up to become another real charmer. He kills either his uncle or the sons of his father's enemy, or maybe his own brother, depending on which version you read. But whoever it is that he kills, he has to flee to Argos, where he marries Dapoli, daughter of Adrastus. Their son is none other than Diomedes. Tydeus dies as one of the seven against Thebes that we've read about in multiple sources, particularly um, Aeschylus, um, is seven against Thebes. But back to the sons of Agrius. They are Thersites, Ancestus, Prothus, Calutor, Lycopus, and Melanippus, in case you've forgotten, or in case they haven't been mentioned yet, I honestly can't remember anymore. <laughs> This group of men overthrow Onias and give him the throne to their dad. Oh, sorry, they give the throne to their dad in, instead of, so they take it away from Onias and they give it to um, Agrius. But it's okay because Diomedes comes along, you know, along with Alcman, and they rescue Grandpa Onias and kill all of Agrius's sons except for Thersites and Onchestus, who managed to escape. But since Onias is really old by this point, Diomedes doesn't restore the throne to him. Instead, Diomedes gives it to Andraemon, one of Onias's sons-in-law, and Diomedes brings Grandpa home with him. Or at least he tries to. Thersites and Onchestus are lying in wait and kill Onias. Diomedes brings the corpse back to Argos and buries him there, and now there's a city named Oneo, or On Oenoe, perhaps. My Greek is not very good in that place. 
Then Diomedes marries Aglaia, and he marches against Thebes, the successful one, not the one that Aeschylus writes about, and against Troy, which you should recall from the Iliad. And that is the end of chapter 8. And I'm not sure that I have much to add other than my various asides that I already provided throughout this episode. One thing I do like about the Bibliotheca is how it is a compilation of other sources. So we have our author's version of things, but he also happily tells us the version of the stories written down by other authors, which just goes to show that if you think you've heard a Greek myth, well, you've heard a Greek myth. There is nothing definitive about an oral culture that was later written down. So what are your thoughts about the stories we covered today? Pop over to the blog and share. It's at triumvirclio.school.blog. The URL and maybe a link are in the show notes. I'm also on Patreon, and that link is in the show notes, too. In our next episode, we'll cover Terence's Formio. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.